Here find a house of welcoming. Here find vision and hope. Here be received as you truly are, unique and beautiful. Your journey acknowledged, your love honored. Let us rejoice together. The words of Orlando Brignola. Good morning, friends. Thank you for taking time out of your cold winter morning, at least for us here in New Mexico, to spend time with us today. My name is Matt Pargeter Villarreal. I am the intern minister here at First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and I am your trusty service leader this morning. I have the pleasure of being joined by our senior minister, the Reverend Angela Herrera, worship leader Judy Goring, and our tech team of DJ Chris Paul, and ushers Bill Miller and Erica and Alex Johnson Jimenez. Our music was provided by our music minister Susan Peck and our special guest musician violinist Becky O'Boyle. Our time for all ages was provided by the Reverend Emily Wright Magoon. If this is your first or second time with us, we would like to welcome you to First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque. If you feel comfortable, please put your name and where you were joining us from in the chat so that we can personally welcome you. If you have attended our services in the past and are returning after a while, welcome back. If you are a regular here at First U, it's good to see you again. How have you been? Before we get started with the service, Judy has a few announcements. Well, good morning, everybody. First Unitarian is hiring a church administrator to support our ministers and senior staff in the management of the church. This position works a flexible Sunday through Thursday schedule up to 25 hours a week. We're looking for an administrative professional with at least two years of experience who is independent, patient, and caring, and is the support of the values and mission of First Unitarian. If this sounds like you or someone you may know, read the full job description and details on how to apply on our website. Go to uuabq.org forward slash now dash hiring dash two. And have a great day. Thank you. Our chalice lighting this morning was written by the Oberlin UU Fellowship in Oberlin, Ohio. We light this chalice to find inner peace, love for each other, and faith in ourselves. Also to be a welcoming to whoever we meet and kind to all living creatures. So gather around this light of hope as we share this time together.
Miss Ann, would you light the chalice as we say our principles? Each person is important. Kind and fair in all you do. We're free to learn together. We search for what is true. All people need a voice. Build a fair and peaceful world. We take care of our planet. We work together for diversity and against racism and oppression. Thank you, everybody. Let's go ahead and pause the chat now for a few minutes during the meditation and prayer. Boy, have we had a cold snap this week here in Albuquerque. It is winter reminding us that although we are on the other side of the solstice, we are still in the season of nourishing winter darkness, the season of ice and green chili stew and of turning inward. So I have a meditation on darkness and going inward for you. If you've been around a while here at First Unitarian, you may have heard it before. And it involves closing your eyes. It, it might seem a little strange if you haven't heard it before, but I think it's a good one. Now, if you aren't comfortable closing your eyes or if the meditation doesn't work for you for any reason, that's okay. You are welcome to just continue with breathing and mindfulness and just being held in the energy of this space, this virtual space we make together. For everyone else, on your next breath, if you haven't already, go ahead and close your eyes. What do you notice? Is it completely dark? Is there a color? Is there any light still coming through your eyelids? Now, with your eyes still closed and without opening them at all, close your eyes again as though you have an inner eyelid. This is something you do with your mind. Now what do you notice? Did your breathing get a little slower? Is it somehow darker? more still. Perhaps the sounds around you seem a little farther away. Breathing in and out. Just notice what it feels like. Your inner self and your connection with the outer. And finally, Without opening them, close your eyes again. Where are you? Maybe you haven't visited this place of depth and quiet within yourself for a long time. Maybe you never have. It is safe here. By closing our eyes and closing them some more, we can go deep beneath our shells of anxiety or anger or striving 
as we continue in silence, allow yourself to notice the qualities of this space. If you find your mind wandering, just gently bring it back. Our church is a welcoming community where we find connection, a spiritual community where we find meaning. Our church is a sharing community where our joys are amplified, a caring community where our sorrows are lessened. We take this moment to reflect on our joys and sorrows and acknowledge the mutual support of our community. Please type in the chat box, first your joys, and then your sorrows. If you're unable to write in the chat box, please email the church at caring at uuabq.org. And may we remember those who have spoken, those they have named, and those we hold in silence in our hearts. <laughs>
All these we lift up to the great powers of healing, renewal, and celebration that we call by many names. And to these I add from my pastoral prayer list, Chris Johnson, Dale Potter, and Al Culp, all of whom were in the hospital this week. We lift up Alice Demi, who passed away last month in Colorado Springs. Alice was an active member before moving several years ago to live near family. She served on the board and many other ways. A memorial service will be held for her at the church this Sunday, Saturday, February 12th at 10 a.m. in Memorial Hall. And I'll put that information in the chat in a few minutes as well. Will you join me in prayer? Spirit of life, a source of love, compassion, and peace known by many names. All these loved ones and all our prayers we lift up to you, to the love that holds us all. We pray for solace and healing, especially for those who've been ill this week. We pray for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for our weary old world. We pray for all who suffer in any way this morning. And we give thanks. We give thanks for the gift of this day for this time and being together, for a time in contemplation, for music, for mountains, sky, mesa, plains, bodies of water, outside reminding us over and over again of our place in the order of things, that we are your children, still learning, still loved. In our seeking, may we also make our lives a blessing upon others through our manner of being in this world. Amen. Peace be with you.
reading this morning, Right Here, Right Now, by Ella Boyer. As we create and share sacred space together, let us reflect upon what brings us here. We have all come here for different reasons, from different decisions, faced different challenges, and shared different love. And yet, all of our differences have led us to this space right here and right now. Some believe we are here for a greater purpose. Others hold fast to a claim of complete coincidence. Others still lie somewhere in between. There are so many differences and barriers between each individual. It would seem at times as though the odds were stacked against us becoming one whole as we believe different things, live and experience different things, and value and hate different things. We are the children of God, the children of the earth, or fully grown adults here as a piece of the ongoing cycles of the universe, the children of the stars. We all have different definitions and explanations to who or what and why we are. Perhaps all are right. Our revelation is not sealed. Despite all that is different, there is one thing that is certainly the same. Somehow, we are all right here, right now. We are growing and changing and discovering all here all together, sharing the same sacred space we have shared for years throughout generations. Constantly evolving, constantly changing. Let us continue. Let us change and fight together. Let us adapt together. Let us grow together. I think that you should take over the youth group. This was the suggestion that was presented to me by the senior minister when I was serving as the intern minister at the Welcome Table Christian Church while I was completing my year of supervised ministry in seminary. While my official response to the suggestion was that I would be happy to take over leading the youth group, I'm sure that the initial displeasure could be clearly read across my face. In the great hierarchy of congregational ministry that had been formulated solely in my mind, youth group leader was admittedly third from the bottom on my list, only slightly above children's RE teacher and serving on the finance committee. No offense to children's RE teachers or finance committee members, we love the work that you do. The vast majority of my colleagues in seminary were all about children's and youth ministry, so much so that they had already declared upon arriving at seminary that that was the type of ministry they were looking to pursue. It's not that I was against leading the youth group. I honestly didn't mind. I simply did not see it as me. 
It was not something that I was enthusiastically called to like my fellow seminarians, and honestly, at the time, I didn't understand what all the hype was. But, as the intern, I was eager to learn, so I decided to open up my mind and approach the unknown the way that I always do. By diving in headfirst and figuring out all the rest later after the dust had cleared. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to my interactions and encounters with my first youth group. Thankfully, it was a small group. There were six youth at the most, four of whom were the minister's kids, who I got along with pretty well anyway. Still, I'd never done anything with Ari before, and I was painfully aware of the fact that me as a UU was now responsible for basically teaching Sunday school at a mainstream Christian church. Even though I had grown up in the Anglican church, we didn't have Sunday school. The only sort of religious education that I had ever been exposed to was catechism instruction in preparation for confirmation and vacation Bible school, and I was definitely certain that I was not about to do or model either one of those. So, I reached out to the minister for any kind of guidance, or at least to be pointed in the right direction. The response that he gave me is a statement that has stuck with me ever since, and one which started my conversion to the importance of youth and young adults in religious spaces. He said, and I quote, Nobody has done anything with the youth group in a very long time. Just find something to do with them. Ever since I was young, I had been one of those weird kids that was always excited to go to church. Regardless of the fact that this was a clear sign I was going to be a minister later in life, I always looked forward to the service and the minister's message, whether or not I was interested or bored by it, and to meeting and socializing with other people at coffee hour afterwards. I could not imagine the feeling of waking up on a Sunday morning getting dressed up and going to church only to be relegated to a classroom and ignored, no matter how many comfy couches and ping-pong tables had been put in there. I had also been a teenager before. I knew that no matter how much you may want to be left alone, listening to music and playing games on your phone, the feelings of loneliness and isolation only intensify. It was in that moment and in that statement that I knew exactly what I was going to do with the youth group. I marched back into the youth room and sat my youth group down on the couches, which were very, very comfortable, and I had a conversation with them. I told them that as many ideas as I may have about what we should do in youth group, this was their space and their time to get to be themselves. Whatever it was they wanted to do and what they wanted to talk about was welcome, within reason. Nothing was off the table. Less than a week after we had that conversation, a 19-year-old with a semi-automatic rifle walked into Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and killed 17 people and wounded 17 others. It was, and still is, the deadliest school shooting in U.S. history. 
For days afterwards, the kids in my youth group, who were now connected through social media in a way that my generation had not been, told me about being subjected to a 24-hour media onslaught that relived every single moment and emotion of the ordeal. And this was not coming from mainstream news media. This was coming from the reposted and retweeted accounts of youth at Stoneman Douglas High School who had experienced it and lived through it, many of whom were the same age and just like those in my youth group. My youth group was angry. They were frustrated that nothing was being done and that no one in power seemed to be doing anything to make sure that this did not happen again. They saw how the adults that they were supposed to be looking up to were quick to label them as kids who didn't know better or understand how the world works when they shared their truth and their fears. They told me all about the March for Our Lives that followed, how they joined with their friends and other students in walking out of class and joining marches and protests in their area. What I learned from my youth group is that they were a generation that was no longer being content with a moment going by in history and being told that there was nothing that they could do about it. I learned that they were going to use all of the resources at their disposal to find a way to try and do something. And if they did not have the resources at their disposal, they were going to find a way to breathe those resources into existence and create them, not only for themselves, but future generations that should not have to experience the same tragedies as they did. As someone who has watched his generation become more numb and resigned to tragedy after tragedy, I found myself learning more from them and taking more inspiration from them than any I was imparting onto them. I encountered a similar group of youth when I served as a chaplain for the Reeb Camp, a summer program for UU high school students held at UBAR U Camp and Retreat Center in Mountain Home, Texas. I still was not entirely sure of how I felt about being a youth group leader, but inspired and nourished by my experience with the youth group at the welcome table, I was more than happy to dive in and be a part of the camp experience for these youth in any way that I could. The very first night that I was there, seated around the campfire for their first all-camp meeting, I watched these UU high schoolers, many of whom were from different congregations, in different cities, and different states, and had never met each other, as their first order of business, put together a complete and comprehensive camp covenant in the span of 20 minutes. And once they had put it together, they lived and modeled it for the entire rest of the week without very little need for reminders. The amazing part was not the fact that they managed to do something that I have seen UU adults who have been on a long list of committees take several weeks to do, but the way that they went about doing it. The question that kept going around the circle as the youth invited each other to share their concerns that struck me was, would having this in writing in the covenant be what you need to feel safe? 
Would having this in writing in the covenant be what you need to feel safe? It did not matter that ev not everyone in the circle knew each other. By virtue of the fact that they were there and they were present, there was no doubt in the minds of any of the youth that each one of them was important and each one of them deserved to be cared for. It was incredible to see how completely authentic and organic it was. And I could not help but think of how desperately these youth needed to go back home to their congregations and teach the adults a thing or two about covenants and collegiality. Before coming to New Mexico, I spent the past three years serving as a co-facilitator for the young adults group at the congregation that I was last a part of. Being a UU young adult is one of the most uncomfortable liminal spaces to occupy. After the very structured and personalized experience of going through UU religious education, everything leads up to the bridging ceremony, an event that celebrates the completion of one's journey through religious education and their transition to being a young adult. The problem is that after the bridging ceremony, which is often a wonderful, tear-filled experience for many youth, there is nothing that happens. For most congregations that I've been a part of, one or two things usually happen. The youth are expected to muster up their own initiative and join various committees and groups within the congregation, or the congregation is resigned to the fact that the youth are going off to college in a different city or state, and will likely never be seen again unless they happen to move back with their new family to settle down and have children of their own. The reality is that UU young adults are left somewhere in the middle, too old to be part of RE and not able to invest themselves into the congregation as they would like because they are in the middle of juggling too much in the way of life, going to school full or part-time, dating and forming relationships, working a full-time job or enough part-time jobs to pay rent and other bills, all while trying to socialize and have some sort of life to keep from being completely overwhelmed. For those congregations that do have a young adults group, they're often unsure of where these young adults fit into the mission and vision of the church. Are they part of children's RE? Are they adult RE? Are they a covenant group or small group ministry? Also, the definition of young adult in the UU world encompasses an age range from 18 to 35 years of age. As someone who is 35, I can tell you that there is a lot of life, a lot of growth, and a lot of change that happened from when I was 18 to now. Much more that can be tackled in the span of a young adult group that meets for an hour once a week at the church, if we are even given that. What ends up happening is that, left to their own devices with no mentorship or guidance, many UU young adults struggle to form lasting and meaningful young adult groups. And they often disband and become the self-fulfilling prophecy that the congregation had all along, the ones who move away and do not come back. What they don't see is the fact that many UU young adults who have spent memorable and formative years in UU youth programs end up losing the community that they have been a part of and a connection to the faith tradition that once formed such an integral part of their lives. As author Kate Tweedy Urslev writes in her book, Full Circle, 15 Ways to Grow Lifelong UUs, 
quote, it is worth staying in touch. Our UU young adults and other young people who are searching for a spiritual home like ours need us. And this reality rings even more true than now in a time of pandemic when we are more isolated than ever before. There are also many young adults in UU spaces, both BIPOC and white allies, who have been frustrated for years at what they have perceived as an awareness of the need to focus on social justice programs that decenter whiteness and focus on racial justice and racial equity, both within the denomination as a whole and at the congregational level, but a lack of follow through in terms of putting this awareness into any kind of concrete action that will actually make a difference. For you, you young adults, there is no disconnect. Acting on behalf of anti-racism and anti-oppression focused social justice is how we live our values as people of faith. At ministry days this past year, a series of workshops held before GA for those who are going through the process of ministerial formation in the UUA, I was part of a breakout room discussion about the Whiting the Circle report that the UUA had just released. I was interested to hear from my fellow colleagues what their reactions were to the report, which many of those in the UUA leadership were apparently very excited about. What I heard from my breakout group, the majority of whom identified as both queer and BIPOC, was a general sensation of frustration, even anger. They were tired of what seemed like having the same conversation about racial justice and racial equity and having it come up as a congregational study item to focus on, but never seeing any of the results of it or seeing anything change. We are tired of sitting down to just talk about it. We're wanting to know what the UUA and congregations are going to do to actually bring about the change that they keep talking about. As we go into this year of focused congregational study around the decision to adopt the eighth principle in our congregation, if my voice has anything to say about it, I would say that the discussion needs to be intentional about having youth and young adult voices at the table. If we are serious about these discussions, they need to be intergenerational. Youth and young adults are the future generations of leadership and development for any and all congregations, and they are the ones who, we, who will be responsible for carrying the mission and vision of the church forward. They're the ones, by virtue of the fact that their generation is living through the current events of the day, who will hold the church accountable for how it responds to social justice causes that are important in the world today. They are the ones who, by virtue of the fact that they are living and working in the community outside of the church walls, will continue to develop and improve the ways that the church continues to support the community it is a part of and partners with those community organizations to make it even better. Most importantly, they are the ones who have a perspective that deserves to be heard and valued. And we also have a lot to say. Maybe it is time for us to do the work of sitting down and listening for a change. May it ever continue to be so. Blessed be. Amen. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. Namaste. Thank you all so much.
our chalice offering this morning, a greater good for ourselves and our world. We know that our financial contributions to this congregation come from sacrifice and hard work. We are so grateful for this and commit together to ensure the funds we gather collectively do a greater good for ourselves and our world than they could have done alone. The change for the recipient future, change for the future recipient for December, January, and February is in Centro. And Centro's mission is to transform New Mexico into a thriving community for all of its residents. They do that by engaging with Latino immigrant families and educational in educational and career development opportunities that build skills for economic and social justice. And Centro is committed to the belief that quality education should build both individual and community knowledge. And with that knowledge comes individual and community power. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. May there be an offering to sustain and grow the life and mission of this congregation. May we give in love and in hope.
What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you so much on behalf of the congregation and on behalf of Encuentro. Uh, is it Encuentro or we, did we change our change for the future? Might have missed it. And thank you on behalf of the change for the future recipients. Um, we, I invite you now to put your screen in gallery view if you're able and if it works for you to turn your video on, this would be a great time as we greet each other with the Pachim or peace greeting. It's become our ritual in these services. Putting one hand over your heart, whichever hand you like, and just extending the other one towards your fellow you use. Peace. Peace. And if you like, you can change your screen to see a new group of faces. Peace to all. We are nearing the end of this service now. And as you go, if you whether you stay for breakout sessions and our, our Zoom coffee hour, or whether you go off and have other kinds of conversations in your day, you might like a conversation starter. So here's one, and I'll also put it in the chat. If you are an experienced adult, which is what I shall call those of us who are over 35, think back to when you were a young adult. What made you feel connected to others? Can you think of a time you felt connected with older adults who were not your family members? And if you are a young adult, what advice do you have for your older self about connecting with younger people? requests to get us thinking about how to build those bridges. So I'll drop that in the chat and Matt will offer the benediction. We extinguish this flame, but we carry what it signifies in our hearts and take it with us into the work that we do. May this flame and the wisdom of the many generations that form this community come together to make this place everything that we know it can be. May it ever continue to be so. Amen and blessed be. Our service is ended. Your service has just begun. Go in peace, go in joy, go in love. Until we meet again, friends.